Good morning. It's great to see all of you here today. Uh, let me just give you guys just grace and peace to every single one of you. And, I, I'm, and I'm not saying that in a kind of hyper-spiritual kind of way. The Apostle Paul, in every one of his letters that he writes on the behalf of God, starts his letters with grace and peace. And the reason why that is is because he wants to get right out front what the intention of God is towards humanity. It's like if we, if we misunderstand what's in the pages of Scripture, he wants us to realize that what's most important is grace and peace. I know some of you are here. All you needed was a sunrise, and it was enough church for you, and you were good to go because you just love God with all the, your heart. Some of you are, are in my category. You, you want to love God. You sometimes do a good job at it, maybe not a good time at it, and you, and you still may have some of your doubts. I get that and understand that. Well, grace and peace to you as well. And then I know that some of you are hostages, that there's a pot roast that was cooked for you, and you're not going to get that pot roast unless you came to church today. And you're not even interested in anything that's going on here. Well, grace and peace to you. And we really believe that by the time today is over, you'll find out that maybe... Maybe your problems weren't so much with God. Maybe how God was done in church, but that God really has an interest for your heart that you would like to discover. So we're talking today about celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, I think we all love a redemption story. Uh, we, it makes the best books. It makes the best movies. I mean, when you hear somebody that's kind of down and out, and like when Tiger Woods came back and, and won the Masters. I mean, I, I'm not even into golf. I mean, I, I've got something better to do with like four and a half hours of my life. But, but I, I was just riveted to this story because we love a redemption story. Um, you know what's crazy? Marvel's Avengers Endgame movie, which we're all kind of hoping is going to be a redemption story, aren't we? I mean, a lot of good people disappeared in that last one. You know that that has already sold out across the United States for theaters in its debut. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So much so, we love that kind of story, that tickets are for sale on eBay for $2,000 to see the premiere. Is that crazy or what? Now, and I can't stand for that. I can't stand for that. So I've got some tickets. I'll give you for about $1,500 and take $500 off of that price so that you can get an opportunity to go see that movie. But what is it about it? I think us as humans were created with this, not a perfection story. Um, we're created with a redemption story built into us. And the resurrection story isn't just about putting a good ending on a good movie. God didn't need the redemption. God didn't need a happy ending to his story. Uh, God didn't do it to kind of garnish our um, affirmation. Jesus didn't rise to prove to himself something. Jesus didn't rise from the dead to prove something to the devil. This story was designed and created by God and built into history because it finds itself beyond fiction into the human drama in a way that it fits into the human heart. And if you're like me, I'm not, I go through the Bible and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. And, you know, look at another story over here, a big flood. 
yeah, that's, I, I don't know what's up with that. And, and, and I go through and it's like, well, what is this all about? Sometimes stories are hard to fit into us. But when we see the, the death and the resurrection of Christ, it's almost like an aha moment of all the stories of Scripture that fit perfectly into our heart is that, okay, God is doing something with this Jesus on this cross and on his resurrection on the third day that seems to fit perfectly into my heart to heal the ails of mankind. And the resurrection of Christ is a demonstration of the power of God, that he has power over our worst challenges, over the things that we fear the most, over um, anything that would stop his promises, and that it shows that he is willing to complete the work that he has started in us. And I think the resurrection of Jesus is a, is a message to us. The resurrection of Christ is a narrative of God for all of us, that not only Jesus has a resurrection story, but that we all, even while we live on planet Earth, have a resurrection story that can be told and experienced. And the uprising of Christ from the grave is an invitation for each and every one of us to have an uprising. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen in you. You know, when I look at that scripture, I not only see the excitement, well, first of all, I'm perplexed by the idea that I am called to arise and shine, and that there is actually a light in me, because life has kind of worn that light out of me, but that God wants to put his glory into my life. But I think most of us will focus on the last part of that scripture when we talk about how the darkness has come upon the peoples and over the land. And I'm guessing that you're probably a little bit like me. When I think about the bad things in the world, when I think about my personal failures, and there, there are so many, when I think about the pain that I've experienced in my life, it begins to have an impact on me. And that impact begins to grow, and it begins to just kind of run over like a, like a garment or even like a, like a goo that just kind of flows out of my life. As I begin to look at the world around, as I begin to look at myself, when I stare at myself in the mirror, I begin to, this awareness of darkness in my life begins to affect me. Then it begins to affect my hope. But is the world really going to be better? Is my life really going to be better? Is my marriage going to be better? Am I going to be any different tomorrow than I am today? And then that begins to whittle away as I begin to look at the news and go through Facebook and look at all the reports of what the world's doing to itself and doing to each other. And it begins to wear away my confidence. And then finally the last glimmer of this light seems to, to begin to go out. And that would be my joy. That is my personal delight in my life, in God, and in my fellow man. You know, I think we get this feeling, you know, it happens to us. It's kind of like hunger. I mean, it's just like hunger. And I'll try not to talk too much about food at this particular moment. But you know when you get hungry, I mean, you just can't get it off of you. I mean, it's, it's, it's now a perspective that, that you're not done until you resolve that issue. 
whether you're shopping or whether you're playing, whatever it is that you're doing, when all of a sudden that grumble occurs, there's something that, that begins to affect you. If you're kind of like a, an angry, hungry person, you know, if you know what that is, and all of a sudden you're starting nap, uh, nipping at other people. Well, hunger seems to be the same kind of thing. It, it kind of changes the way we are, the way we behave. Let me give you an example of this. Watch. You scrambling for air times The day you lost the battle was the day you lost your hairline Hey, just gonna break your dog, I'll break your heart yeah. Class is dismissed, take this diss and depart Oh, give it up for my man Grizzle Up next we got my boy Boogie Give it up for Boogie, let's go Boogie, yeah. we got that Don't go in my heart I couldn't depart Whoa, what? stop right there What? Here, eat a Snickers you always lose your edge when you're hungry. Better? Better. Yo, I said, give me the track, I'm finna snap. You know, timid, I ain't that. Guess your memory got snatched and you forgot that you can't rap. Yeah, you need to get some money, you look broken. You couldn't catch no water. You're not you when you're hungry. I ain't knowing how I'm trash. You gotta tell me Snickers. what you mean. It's more holes in your... You're not you when you're hungry. Now, let me just tell you, I know I just kind of messed you up, and the clock is now running on this, this message. You're all going to get small Snicker bars on your way out today. No, I mean it. We bought 700 Snickers bars because I'm not going to create a hunger in you that we can't satisfy. So you will be getting that on the way out today. But, you know, it really is true. Um, the more we tend to load ourselves up with, with evil or the knowledge of it, whether we observe it, or whether we're experiencing it, it begins to change how we view lives. We're not us. We're not who we're supposed to be when we get overwhelmed with the problem of evil in the world around us. When we begin to look at the issues of uh, uh, sickness, uh, government, or world, or the personal evil in our own lives, the things that we create, we, we begin to feel the experience of being weighed down by it. It begins to affect us. Because we're just not designed to carry the weight of not only the evil of the world, but the evil of our own lives. I hear people argue against the existence of God because of the problem of evil. You know, I, and I'm just, if I can just put a little commercial out here for Christianity, is that there is no scientific evidence against the existence of God. Matter of fact, intelligent design is beginning to show through cosmology of the Big Bang Theory that Christianity uh, was right about God all along from a scientific standpoint. The biggest arguments now that are coming against the Christian faith are this problem of evil. You know, you've, you've heard the argument, maybe you've even said it yourself, and I, I can remember saying it over and over again. If God exists, and if God is good, and if he's all-powerful, then why would he allow so much evil to happen on this planet? That's our big objection. It's, it's, it's not empirical data. It's, it's our, our emotional response to trying to carry the knowledge of the, the problem of evil around every single day. And, it, and it's, it's interesting. It not only affects us, but it also begins to affect how we think we got here. But I really, as I've looked at that concept of if God is, exists, then why is there so much evil? I begin to look at it for myself. And there's a couple of problems with that perspective of God. 
One is that the assumption is that God's number one focus and purpose in life is to evil free the world so that we can live happy lives. I'm not sure when we gave him that job description, but that's kind of a, one of the problems that we have of looking at God and looking at evil, looking at God, looking at evil, and then allowing ourselves to be affected by evil is our expectation may be faulty. But the other problem is this. It's the quality of the import of the idea of God. We can't just import God and just say God exists. If we import any part of God, we must import every part of God, which includes the cross of Christ and the resurrection, with new life, with purpose, with meaning, and heaven, and ultimate justice. I, I dare to say this. If God just exists, then yes, we do have a problem of evil. I mean, if, if, that's, if that's exactly God, and, and God is just an existing God, then philosophically, we do have a problem with evil. But the resurrection says that that's not the kind of God we have. If God exists, then all that God is exists, and the problem of evil can be lifted. See, we, we, we say, well, if God's so good, then why, you know, if he really exists... It's like, well, but you've got to bring everything in that is in the concept of God. The cross and the resurrection say that you can't just import the notion of a God that just exists. There is no such God that just exists. I'm not in any way minimizing the impact that evil has on anyone's life here today. And I think we've all, um, we've all had our share of evil, and I think... I know that I have had my share of creating it. I'm not saying that we're, we're not um, capable of carrying things, but there are some things that we just can't seem to carry real well. And it's our own personal evil, and it's, it's the evil of the world around us. Did you know that the number one selling vehicle in the United States are trucks? Number one, did I hear an amen on that? I mean, I've been talking about the resurrection, and I got an amen on truck. Well, God bless you, sir. Uh, okay, the number one selling vehicle, and this bothers me a little bit, the number one selling vehicle in the United States is the Toyota RAV4. Come on, America, you could have bought a Subaru for that price. But really, the number one selling vehicle in the United States, type of uh, vehicle, is a truck. Why? I think it says something about humans. I can carry this. I can carry anything. I'm self-sufficient. I don't want to have to call my neighbor to lift any furniture and, and, and haul it off. I want to go to the dump for myself. I want to go to the mall and I want to put the refrigerator in the back of my truck. I think, if I'm speaking for a lot of people here, I think we like the pride and the affirmation that we can get from carrying stuff ourselves. We don't like needing anyone to carry anything. But when it comes to the problem of evil, I think a lot of us are finding out we can't carry it. And our hearts begin to look over, overloaded, 
and begin to collapse. I think, I think we kind of look like this. I think we've all seen videos of, of vehicles in the Tri-County area occasionally making its way to the Bees Ferry landfill and that you've kind of like said to yourself, there is no way they are, that should be on the road. And we load up our vehicles and we try to get as much in it as possible. But if we're honest, as we begin to go through Facebook and as we look at CNN, as we look at Fox, as we go through, it begins to load us up and it begins to load us up with the problem of evil when we look at ourselves in the face, when we have arguments in our marriage, when, we, when we're angry about the things in our neighborhoods, it begins to load us up and begins to load us up. And we are discovering quickly in our society, we can't, we can't carry this. It's so big. But along comes Jesus. And along comes the de death and the resurrection of our Savior. Taking the weight of himself and rising on the third day. And if I can put Jesus into a truck... It would be this one. Jesus comes along and begins to take the stuff that you and I can't lift. I know you're like, okay, they brought me to a church that, that did a Snickers commercial, and now they're doing a truck thing on Easter. But here's the thing. I know a lot of you are walking around and carrying stuff like that. I know that you're carrying around shame, guilt, anger, resentment, bitterness, jealousy, racial discord, whatever form evil wants to present itself. And a lot of us have been trying to carry our load. And we're beginning to find out, I, ladies, you can't carry your husband's evil. Husbands, you can't carry your, your wife's evil. We can't carry what's going on in our government. We cannot carry what may go on in our neighborhoods. And we're being weighed down. And you know what? When it happens, you're not you anymore. You're not you when you're hungry and you're not you when you're overwhelmed with the problem of evil. We lose our joy. We lose our light. We're supposed to be shining for the Lord has risen upon us. And Jesus says and comes along and he says in the resurrection, I can carry it. That my death and my resurrection have the ability to carry what's wrong with our society and what's wrong with this world. And, and Paul, he told me, he said, I can carry what's wrong with you. But when it comes to my life, I have had a hard time carrying around what I should do that is good. Let alone carrying around the evil that I and the rest of our wonderful species are doing. But through the resurrection of Christ, he gives me an uprising from the mistakes of my past. He gives me an uprising of, it's kind of like an uprising of hope in the world that seems so desperate at this particular moment. He uprises my future and, I, and, and gives me a perspective of a new life. If evil exists and God just exists, then we do have a problem of evil. But, it, but if God raises the dead and carries the problem of evil to the cross, then we have a future, each and every one of us. And today, I think God just wants you to know, stop carrying what you can't carry. Now, that may mean get off Facebook for a while. 
Stop checking CNN at 6.30 in the morning. Evil will be there. It will wait. It will get, you'll get around to the nightly news. And I think the Lord is saying, listen, if you will focus on what I did on the cross and on the power of my resurrection and have that power in you, there will be an uprising in your life. That's why the Apostle Paul shouted in Romans 6, he said this, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, that does not say if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also go to heaven with him. Because too many of us Bible belters are just, we got a Jesus that just, uh, he's just a little truck. And he's got just enough load to get me to heaven. No. He's got enough room so that we can live now with hope and with life and with empowerment, with a sense of uprising. That we can be restorers of joy to other people's lives. That we can bring hope into hopeless situations. He died on the cross when we identify with him. Not so that we can just go through the world just kind of like, okay, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know that sounds right, but it, it ain't right. I threw in the ain't for, you know, for free there. It's like it ain't, it ain't right. We're more than just sinners saved by grace. We have died with Christ. We've been risen with Christ. And we are now the trucks that roam the countryside helping people with the things that they can't carry. I mean, this resurrection story changes everything. Paul continued and he said in Romans 8, 16, we are children of God. And if children... I mean, he's just like, wait a minute, he's like connecting all the dots here. Wait, wait a minute, but if children, then th that means we're heirs, heirs also of God and fellows heirs of Christ. I mean, it's starting to like decompress like a, a file you've downloaded from the, from the web and all of a sudden you click on it and it starts bum, 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 like a virus filling the system. He's like, well, wait a minute, if I'm, I'm a child of God, then that means I'm an heir of God. And then if I'm an heir of God, I'm, uh, wait a minute, that means I'm a co-heir with Christ and it's like, wait a minute. And all of a sudden, the problem of evil isn't a problem anymore. Now, I'm not telling you the world doesn't have evil in it. But I think we've allowed it to become the problem, the focus of our hearts. Jesus directly deals with the problem of our evil and then, then gives us new life to live in the midst of it. Ephesians 2.5 says, even when we were dead in our transgression, we were made, uh, made alive together with Christ by the grace you have been saved. We've been made alive. Now, I, I'm just, I've used this as an example, and I'd say this to the mayor that because he's here today, that I'm not making this statement because you're here today. I've said it a thousand times, so I just don't want you to feel on the hot spot here. But, you know, I have said one of the greatest things that has happened to us as a church is flooding. And the reason why it's a great thing is that through the adversity, we have come alive as a group of people. Because we've learned that we are not defined by the quality of our building. We're not even defined by how quickly we can fix our problems. Okay? We are a people who are showing that we can walk through a world that has problem and not lose our joy. 
What people call the problem of evil, I just call evil. But I'm not going to elevate it to the status of problem. What I'm going to elevate is the fact that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. That's the elevation. And that's what changes us. And Paul says that we have been made alive by the grace of God. Not going to heaven, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not downplaying the heavens part of the story here, okay? <laughs> I mean, but I want to be alive here. I mean, if it's, if it's any good, it should be good on earth, not just in heaven. And that's why he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Our expectation should not be the problem of evil. It should be the expectation of the grace of God in the middle of it. And Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, but it's no longer I live who lives, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Wow, that sure sounds different than the Paul in Romans where he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall save me from this body of death? That which I should do, I don't do. That which I shouldn't do, I do. Oh, wretched man. And all of a sudden, he gets lit up with the idea that God in Christ, on the cross, God in Christ, rising from the dead, he's like, man, it's no more me living in this small dystopian perspective of society, but it's now Christ who lives in me, in the life I now live, I live in the faith in the Son of God. You say, you can't write me off as some pie-in-the-sky Christian. Evil is around us, and evil abounds. I'm not, I'm not discarding the concept of evil and pretending that this is Disney World, but I am saying that through the declaration of the resurrection of Christ, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. That we have a high calling in Christ for each and every one of our lives. We have an uprising within us. And the uprising of the body of Jesus is an awakening to us all. And the resurrection calls to each and every one of us to arise and shine. We don't have to let our failures haunt us. We don't have to let obstacles limit us. We don't have to let our culture define us. We don't have to surrender to the problem of evil and then sulk off to our graves. Colossians 3.1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Scripture tells us that Jesus was the first one to wake up with the uprising. And that's what we're celebrating today was the original waking up of the body of Christ over the problem of evil. In Colossians 1, it says, Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, here's why it says the word firstborn. Now, if you only have child, one child, you would say, Jesus is the only born, my only child. But it's a firstborn. Why is it a firstborn? Because there's an expectation of a middle child and a baby. And all the other gazillion siblings in the middle. See, all of us are supposed to have our uprisings, our, our being born from the dead, not only in heaven, but in our lives today. And Jesus, as the firstborn, begins to walk through the house like a dad on Christmas morning, waking up the rest of humanity 
telling everyone that there's new life, there's hope, inviting each of us. And Paul says to us today in Ephesians 5, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. God is not saying there isn't a problem of evil. God is not saying that evil isn't around us. But he's like, it's made you go to sleep. It's suffocated you and taken the wind out of you. And it's time for us to arise and to allow Christ to shine in us. As we kind of move into this closing moment of today's service, which is a very personal moment. What we, what we do at Crosstown is a, maybe a little different. It's a little Catholic. It's a little Baptist. It's a little artistic. It's a little bit of everything. So we want to give you an opportunity to, to step into this moment with God, and we call it expressions. I've been expressing the idea of God up here today, but that's not what God's after. God's after your expression, your response, your interaction with him. And how that can happen over the next few minutes. You could just remain in your seat. Just think about what maybe God has said to you today. Maybe you'll enter into a moment of, of singing along with the worship song. Maybe you'll feel the tug to, to uh, get up and receive communion, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe for you it will be a moment where there's been a problem of evil that has been on your life that you need to separate yourself from. And we invite you to just go over and we have a little prayer station there where you can just write out on a card and then pin it to the cross. And that you just say today, you know, evil, this is the end of you controlling my life. Maybe you've been carrying around an evil about yourself or about the world or somebody that you know. And today's the day you let that evil go and you let the cross carry it. We invite you to just write it out and just pin it to the cross as a prayer between you and God. But let this be a moment where you have a conversation with him. And if I can just make you feel just a little bit uncomfortable, though it really shouldn't. I believe God spoke to my heart yesterday as I was looking over my notes and I was beginning to think about this moment that we would have together. And God really spoke to me and he says, and, and I know some of you are strong, you know, don't want to show weakness. You own your pickup truck and you think you can carry everything. God wants to say to you, I know you are weary. You are so tired of the same crap in your life and God knows it and today he wants to help you he wants to he wants you to he wants you to start riding shotgun in the resurrection he wants you to turn over your load and your truck and he wants you to turn over everything that you've got to him can I invite you just give it to Christ. Give it to Jesus. Father, as we enter into this moment, we turn our lives to you and we hear what was written 
about what you did in the cross, what you did in the resurrection, what you've done in history. Because of the tender mercy of our God, the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. That's me. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Father God, by your tender mercies, bring each and every one of us into that place of peace. Let me invite you to express this moment between you and God.